Hello. Hello! It's Kiki here. And Alex. On this episode, we introduce you to Earth to Kurt, a new musical combining the heightened emotions of opera with the raw sounds of 90s grunge music. Loosely based on Kurt Cobain, this is a moving and surprising look at the journey to the afterlife and the stories and people we leave behind in space with aliens. We are thrilled to chat with co-writers George Clark and Ricky Hunt and performer Jolene Venzi about their process which led to five-star success at this year's Vault Festival. Welcome to Making Making a a Musical, musical, the the future future of of British British Musical musical Theatre. So Kiki, today we're in the studio with some people who I think are possibly the coolest guests that we've had on Making a Musical this season. Undeniably, I brought them down to the studio and do you know what they told me? Go on. They had dressed as musicals. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming this wasn't intentional. It wasn't like, oh, ring, ring. What are you wearing today? Um, It wasn't actually. (laughs) Do you want to introduce yourselves and maybe what musical you've come (laughs) to them recording (laughs) us? It's like those awkward icebreakers. Go on. My name is Ricky. It's very nice to be speaking to you both. What's your character? Name? I am dressed <laughs> head to toe in a denim two-piece with white stitching, but looks like a prisoner from Les Miserables. Oh, oh. see. Contemporary version. <laughs> Contemporary Les Mis. Um, I'm Jolene, and I've come in sort of this sort of brown, yellowish sort of attire, which is very, very reminiscent of uh, Little Shop of Horrors. It's kind of yeah. my, uh, I'm hoping... Maybe this will be my moment, if anyone wants to cast me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Rizzo. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, that's what you... Definitely a pink lady. That's who you've got. I'm George. And uh, yeah, I'm wearing a pink... I'm a pink lady, I think. That's what I am. But then I brought a grease sort of jacket, leather jacket, which I'm not wearing. You're just Um, the entire vibe of the show. I'm just, yeah. (laughs) My hair's not greased, but... I've tried to come as Grease. I think I like that. That would be like that 50s kind of, you know, rock and roll. I like that kind of attitude, you know. And then suddenly we're dancing. And you have brought a show. Well, you've you've written a show called Earth to Kurt. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. What is this show? Because, again, I think the show is maybe one of, I would, cool, coolest subjective. But it's definitely one of the coolest sounds yeah, I for think. sure, yeah. It's the kind of cool that I could only aspire to. Earth to Kurt, yeah, eh? A good place to start, cool. George. Where did it first come from? It came from a seance. So everyone pictured this. Um, it's true. Your eyes, everyone, everyone's eyes was, were closed. Um, candles were lit. Um, the voice of a strange male named Christopher Brett Bailey um, called upon a red telephone. Uh, the phone rang. I picked the phone up. And the the synopsis of the show came to me through a, a seance. Yeah, spoke to Kurt on the phone. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt told me that you know the show had to be written. Kurt, Kurt who? Kurt Cobain, mm. <laughs> the man, the myth, the miracle. And yeah, and Kurt sort of was born in this weird world where everything. When the first version of Kurt, it was all up in space, and uh, and that's what Kurt, you know, Kurt was alive and well on Mars and told me about all of these things that were happening to them and in this sort of weird Tintin adventure of Kurt Cobain. Um, so that's where it was birthed in that strange rehearsal room at East 15 
<laughs> and uh, and and then yeah, I, I had and then Christopher Brett Bailey said to me, "Now you gotta go and write it. <laughs> you, you gotta go and write it now." And I left the room, and everyone carried on with whatever they were doing. But the seance happened, and then I had to go and yeah, sort of create a, a, a draft of it and. Um, came back with a 175-page copy of a show called Advitus, which was the first draft of uh, to Kurt, <laughs> which was absolutely insane. And it's not a biography of Kurt Cobain. It's more of the feeling of the legend. Uh, is that right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's um, Well, that, that's sort of when it became its own, as the feeling of the legend. It was, well, I met George and he approached me with the, this version of the show, this, this mad, zany world of <laughs> Kurt Cobain who meets Elvis, who's on Mars. And I was like, wow, okay, aliens. there's a lot to take in. And aliens and robots. And I thought, this is fun. <laughs> but then I heard the music, and the music was killer. The music was so exciting to me. I uh, was inspired. And I said to George, how do you feel about rewriting <laughs> the show, rewriting the yeah. story? And focusing in on what we know. You know, we, ultimately, a, any tale involving Kurt Cobain is going to be a tragedy. So that was where we began the rewrite in this realm of let's elevate the music, let's let the music tell the story, and it, truly at the heart is a tragedy. And yeah. that's where we came up with, that, with the grunge opera. <laughs> it's the right world to be in for a the story. grunge opera mm-hmm. break that down for us because we've talked um mm. on the podcast about a lot of different musical theater forms particularly breaking away from what we would consider a traditional musical form that, that perhaps you know lame is as you've inspired greece even <laughs> fall into we've talked about things like song cycles gig theater exactly tell us what you think mm. a grunge opera is give us a taste oh, where to start I think a grunge opera encapsulates everything you've just said. It is musical theatre. It is, you know, um, gig theatre. It is live music, but it is told with the elevation of operatic storytelling. It grabs you in a way only opera can. Um, Opera ricochets through your body and soul, and that's what we tried to do with, with, with Earth to Kurt. The, the type of music that Nirvana made was the inspiration, but we've added orchestral elements and elevated all of it through the music and it should pull you the way opera does, but w- with that 90s grunge grounding and ultimately that taste of bitter, sweet tragedy is what I feel. It, it takes mm. me Definitely, on a journey yeah, yeah. As, uh, as a Sludgy form of, you know, it's, it's I think it's uh, all of the sort of, um, finding a category for it, this is probably the most, you know, tick the box of what it would be. Yeah. Um, loud music, you know, and 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 compelling uh, lyrics that uh, tell tell a musical uh, world of uh, storytelling um, with the yeah the orchestral music heightening every sensation. And I think that was something when I first I met Pete. Mills, who uh, orchestrated the the show, and I sang every violin, <laughs> every piece of tiny, strange, um, th- and everything that didn't make the track. I sang, and the weird 
Uh, what was that? What's the, what's the sort of ah, instrument? That was an interesting one. I'm sure Pete will be laughing if he was mm. to hear <laughs> this. But Pete, yeah, Pete brought uh, it became it became a mature. Whereas if you sort of looked at the beginning of the the, the birth of Earth to Kurt, it was more of a uh, you know a silly clowny kind of thing. But it 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 wasn't sensitive to what the topics were at all. And I think the music only brought more of that out of it it sucked more of an exciting you know the sweat the blood the anger the teenage angst but also the other side of the coin with the love and um tragedy the despair the the end death and and i think uh orchestra the orchestration with that is what me and pete did beautifully and 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 actually with uh earth to kurt the song that jolene um is singing on i think pete had done a brilliant job of jolene creating that as a an audio um for people to hear i think that's actually a perfect segue into listening to earth to kurt i think it will give listeners a really clear idea of of this style we're talking about Do you want to give a little bit of an idea of where it sits in the show so we have a little bit of context going in? So this song in the show is actually quite interesting because it does address this more traditional musical theatre format. Uh, it also tr- like addresses the traditional operatic format of this like really hearty performance, but then you see kind of the layers of that grunge rawness coming into it which I think is kind of this whole thing where it transcends the genres in its own way as well whilst being in them and as we said because the story kind of developed and it got layers and things like that it was this song comes in at a point where Kurt is reflecting he's looking back on his life and he's looking at the people kind of left behind and that is such a difficult thing and the song has such a depth to it for me because it explores what we might perceive as like quite the selfish feelings of when we do lose people who are going through some really, really tough things. And that's like the, the, the ugly things we don't want to explore really in terms of feelings. And that this song really became such a powerful, every performance felt absolutely heartbreaking to perform that type of honesty which I think is something mm. that as a company You're that so we right. look to just like, there's something about deglamorizing some of these like heartbreaking feelings of actually being like, I'm singing my heart out and this heartbreaking trauma is like reverberating in me as I'm doing so and I'm sharing that with you. And that's really what that song is. This is a song for the mothers, for the partners, for this effeminate sort of, coping I guess like it was yeah really really beautiful where it ended up especially the orchestration takes it elsewhere as well (laughs) which is lovely Oh, the hurt. 
knows how much of a father I see in you. I know little lady knows how much you adore her. You adored her. Us to cut your fine, your mind. You can't see it. You won't believe me. You will never understand what's mine. Heart is in my hands. Don't you worry what the people and the press say. They don't. Hearing that song, you really get the sense that the form is the perfect form for the content. You know, I think writers early on um, having an idea, or certainly this is my experience as a writer, you're trying to work out, you know, is it a screenplay? Is it a TV series? Is it a musical? Is it a play? How, which form is the best for this story? But actually, as soon as you hear that, you know that this form is the perfect type for that story when you found it were you kind of like yes we know that the cement fell into place and and you knew the oh with the story 100 percent, and and with everything that ricky you know ricky's came to me when we started developing the <laughs> beginning and said like why did you write the show and you know i think I'd, I'd, I'd love my training, but I never really had thought why I'd written the show. You know, I'm just, I'm sort of a bit of a whirlwind and love creating, writing music in minutes and that just happened. And then, you know, on reflection as to, as an individual, why we started this journey, um, that was the, the sort of, you know, ah, okay, you know, I understand how I can approach music, like you're saying, how I can a- approach writing something uh, that is as heavy as that and mm. that does speak to me and how does that how does that how do I do that for an audience member because you know you could I could write a whole song about how I I was very very depressed and um, mentally unwell but then you know it's it's got to have the equation you know it's got to have that me plus the art equals 
the audience mm. then understand what's going on or whatever. So that's sort of how we dive, dove into it, isn't it? It's yeah. sort of I started asking George kind of the questions that I, as a writer, didn't have to ask myself and other people because you have to remind yourself why you've written something and what you're trying to say. If you don't know what you're trying to say, you don't have a compelling story. You don't have an audience that are with you 100%. You can't leave an audience in the dark. I'm always about bringing them in and getting them on the level. So that's what we tried to do when we started rewriting the show. And mm. It wasn't an easy process because I've never come into a piece and had to weave existing work into a new story. It was quite an interesting one for me because I'm so used to building from the ground up. And then we had George's amazing music and we're thinking, right, how can we use what you have and build upon it? But then that's when we came into the orchestral stuff and finding the arc of the story and just focusing in on the one character and their emotional journey, which is Kurt. Yeah. And ultimately and then there. suddenly you go, well, the fates. Then we've that's got Greek mythology. You know, suddenly there's another layer and you go, oh, another layer, another layer. Why is Elvis there? And then why are the fates there and the fates? And for everyone listening, the fates are our band and they are on stage and they are represented by three wonderful performers who set up their equipment. And Jolene is the lead singer of the fates and it's on their drum face. And they are like the Greek fates who measure uh, people's lives. They have the shears where they cut lives short, but they are ultimately in charge of everyone's existence. And they find a guitar chord at the top of the show, which is red, which is the color represents Kurt. And it has a nick within the fabric of the, of the wire. And therefore it's fraying. And this one life is ending without the say-so of the fates. Mm. So they are now meeting this soul and leading them through the show to convince them that they must, they have a reason to live. And when their time comes, the fates will decide yeah. your fate, essentially. And by finding the fates uh, in the beginning of writing, suddenly, you know, I, I, I could write some new songs, you know. There was mm. excitement with new, new, you know, adding this layer of, you know, tr what is that female yeah, voice? That female, also female frustration as mm. well. We, we kind of developed this thing of like obviously getting into making the show asking these really quite especially for like because for George and myself personally music is a very strong visceral expression and an escapism and like then having to go back and look and actually be quite honest with yourself why did I write this what was I feeling what were the other people around me feeling is such a vulnerable and exposing thing mm. and so like when we were getting into that part of the show of now being like okay now we represent the voices of those people around that is something that's very hard um and became like in a room that's like as a company I think that's one of the reasons why we pulled together and that's also why the show has such a strong feeling because people came and they actually for once, I think people who felt like they retreat to their instruments felt like everyone understood. Mm. They like completely and were left in this sort of like vacuum of like speechlessness of like this is so true and so common as well. It like that's where it kind of went away from just it being about Kurt. Mm. It went into this thing of like everyone has this humanity and this authenticity. We all know what it feels like to have that thing and then seeing it represented in a way that wasn't traditional and like we asked questions about yeah we have the who's like who who is it up to like our fate is it up to this big higher power is it up to ourselves like is it both of them how much 
and no one wants to ask those things and mm. no one like it's this massive thing mm. of grief that, that we went into yeah. like uh, and generation no, no one talks grief. about death right yeah, no, yeah. It's, and, and actually in i think the stereotype for musicals is that you go in this is what we were talking about wasn't we? we was talking about musicals people think it's what like a tap dancing thing and you do a big hoo-ha and it's all fluff but it's it's th- that's that's completely wrong for all of, mm. any musical that you look has has a compel you know has a, a good musical that has a compelling story, and it will An emotional break heart. your heart. Mm. And so at the end, heart. you'll be, you know, wow, that is the wow factor. And you'll reflect. It, you know, we all think about shows next day and go, wow. But it wasn't an easy process to get where we are. <laughs> in the room, it was. Uh, we were stuck on an idea, and we just sort of went. We we have two weeks. We had no money, and mm. we had an old office, aban- abandoned office building. We still have no money. Which we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but um, we we had two weeks in this space and realised then we had to go to the vaults and put on this new show. So we get in the room and we're like, right, well, okay, here we go then. And it was a bit of a nightmare because every day we had to set up all the musical equipment, <laughs> all of the amps, pedals, oh, was... guitars, all our own kit because obviously it's just an it. office space. I miss it. <laughs> I miss it. It was it was magical. It was it was just the way that you know we had to think of yeah even that as a setup you know. So tell so us how, how in, once you're in the room you're set up mm. you're ready to go. What happens then? Well, you got me stressing well, you've got out. Argue as director. about who's going to do. <laughs> you've got an argument. Who you know? What's more important, time doing music or? But always the two battle. of them either side. Which should music. They're like. And writing, which is important. Writing, music, and I'd, writing, like, music. I'd like to make that very clear to any youngster who is, or any old sort of any creative that is listening, or if there is someone listening, then you have to have that uncomfortable room. It has to be uh, competitive. It has to be um, uncomfortable for something to to for something to be made. In my opinion, that is a hundred percent. Obviously, not being horrible to be like pe- people and speaking with respect, but there needs to have that. You know, look, well, look, I need this. What do you need? And then you, you know, you you don't compromise. That's not how you work. That's not the right word. But you then make, you know, Solutions. you then make, you throw stuff at the mm. wall, and and then you know you've got guitar strings snapping, or the microphones buzzing, and the, all of the equipment that is ours that we're trying to make work is all shouting at us. But that was another element to the show that we just added in. You know, we just thought it was that's what would happen in your rehearsal room if he was playing in a band. It just if a lead goes, it goes. You have to carry on, and that's just how mm. the show is. And it, and it, you know, people were like, "I loved what you did with the the wires." And it's like, "What? What do you mean? We didn't do anything. Just plug, <laughs> plug my guitar in and played it, and yeah. that's how it should be." It all it all came to a sort of conclusion where we got to the Thursday. We bear in mind we're opening on the Monday, and we did the Thursday run, and we there was a feeling in the air. We're like, oh, what's happening? Finished the run. And we realised the show wasn't ready. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was bad. It was bad. It's interesting, actually, in terms of making this show, which is actually quite unique to it, is obviously so we have George, who's got this like big heart of music that he's written and he knows he's inside every lyric, every melody. You've got Ricky that's got this story. He's got this clear format of it and stuff like that. And I'm on stage and I'm playing one of the fates and it's weird because this role is somewhat this audience surrogate throughout. And so when we come to the end, all three of us were feeling somewhat sort of dissatisfied with like, no one felt like they had quite got what they wanted 
like fulfilled mm -hmm. and it was that thing of like that we started the process that yeah it came with the heart of the music it, that was where it was and that's where it stayed and then we tried to like Ricky came and tried to like write this down which is so hard like how mm. do you translate someone else's melodic understanding to someone else's literary like skill it's very interesting and then we were like Oh gosh. We need to combine. We need to do some big, big dramaturgy to like just find this psychological segue from one to the other. And it just made everything like. Well, we paused rehearsals <laughs> and then we spent the whole next day. We did 14 hour rewrite, the three of us. Wow. In the room. Jolene yeah. was, I think that was the next thing. Because obviously we've spoken about Ricky arriving, myself collaborating with Ricky, and then us having a script that we thought was ready to rock and roll. And then Jolene arriving, which was, uh, uh, yeah, an, a, a, another, another incredible human putting in something that I'd, a brain that we didn't have and didn't think in that sort of way, which was probably the missing piece to then when all of these mm. questions and things firing in those 14 hours were just uh, the, outside the mother, mother yeah. earth, which is yeah. Jolene going bang, bang, you know, like <laughs> and then growing went, all of these new apples for us to be like, there you go. And you're like, oh my God. And that was it. And then the show wasn't bad for the record. <laughs> it was good. And we got all five star reviews. So we're happy about that. But if we'd stayed with that Thursday version. I think knows? that's the joy though, uh, the celebration of probably why we all love theater. Like it's a very unique medium of, of liveness and theatricality. And it only, it doesn't work in a vacuum. Mm. You know, mm. we're not, you guys aren't writing books mm. that then get published and, and then sit on a shelf. This is something that's it's a shared experience between everyone in the room and then a shared experience with an audience. So I think it's just such an integral piece to talk about of how work is created it doesn't mm. live on a page it doesn't mm. live yeah. you know and it, it's challenging when we're doing a podcast yeah. and we, we kind of live in a little bit of a, a 2d world here we're not mm. we're not sharing the full experience mm. so it's just such an exciting thing to kind of hear how when you layer different you know experts mm. coming together and, and it's so um apparent that you all have such an emotional connection to the piece and it's coming through and clearly led to success which is stunning mm. yeah. i think the other point that i'd like to make is that uh i think i mean for me and i think actually everyone here <laughs> is that it's not you go in the rehearsal room and you go that's me for the day like you're going home and not sleeping and having a family and 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 talking to people that aren't involved as well like my my partner my my mum my my lizard <laughs> like things in my life are what make me question the show and adding little things in you know suddenly I wake up the next day and then there's a fresh thing to then bring to that you know anything in the bath suddenly you know you're picking your nose and something else comes out and, and a new tiny little element to add to the show like Ricky Ricky has these weird things where he goes to sleep and he's got his oh I've I've done it <laughs> I've fixed the dream. show. I've had a dream. Wake up the next I've day. Had I've had a dream. He does all of his work in his sleep, I which do. I think is absolutely That's very efficient. incredible. Oh, <laughs> I do all my work in my sleep. My but then when he can't Vegas, sleep, he can't sleep. sleep. That's what's tough. So do you, do you have like a, a, a dream journal or like an equivalent? <laughs> no. Do you just stick with you? I just wake up in the night like, in sweats. 
Yeah, and go, oh, the next musical. It's happened to me a lot in my life. <laughs> Why and am I, I go, on oh, all fours? Although, but the something needs to be fixed. Your, your sleeping brain, I don't know if anyone utilises it, but I love it. Ask yourself loads of questions before you go to sleep or if you want to learn something. You know, it's the classic. Read it, fall asleep, you wake up, you know it. You know, it's the same with problem solving for me in a show. I'm like, hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's so good. Yeah, that's where we are. Yeah. How do you balance self-care during that kind of process? I mean, I think what you're kind of saying is that you have to look after yourself outside of the room in order to do your best work mm. in the room. And how does that process work for you guys? Well, and I would say particularly because of the subject exactly. matter oh, of, yeah. of this piece being, mm. you know, about male mental health mm. and it'd be, yeah. yeah. If anyone has uh, an answer to that, please do get please. in contact with Volume Club at gmail.com. This is something that was very interesting where I think the sort of generational experience started to absolutely kick into place mm. because it kind of felt like... For me, in my art, one of the biggest things about making art is about, I think everyone needs to be looking after themselves so much more and feeling the power in which that they should. Like, I learned so much about singing doesn't mean I have to be pretty because I'm so scared about not, I'm so scared about not having control over that. And everyone's so scared about those sort of things. And it came to the time where me and George were on the train together and we were talking about things and I was like, you do realise that like we need time. We do these things and you need to sit and have time. I can't keep rerunning that song that we listen to mm. over and over again because the emotional journey it goes through is really, really quite debilitating. Mm. And then George's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it goes into the next thing. And then we talk to Ricky and Ricky's like, oh, yeah, the breaks. Because it's just so much about perspective as well. And some of it, like, it just comes down to communication. We, we have to... Hold we it. have to break what is happening in the industry. Yes. Um, all of the work that we have done over the past 10, 15 years, Ricky, that's not me. I've done that much. <laughs> oh, man. No. Well, you know what I mean? Like, that's speaking, that's the, the maximum of what we've been in the industry for, whatever. It, it needs to be, you know, it's like, well, you know. I didn't have a break when I did that show, but it's not, it's not, you know, and you know, when I was at East 15, we did nine till nine every day, but it doesn't have to be that, you know, we need to make sure that we have little breaks here and there. Um, yeah, as you say, care is important. Care right? is important. You just have to step, sometimes you do have to just leave the room and think, you have to let things sit. Check in with yourself. Have a little cry. Check in with like people, you know, the chain of command as well. You know, your company manager's there for a reason if you have one, if you can <laughs> afford one. But also your director, like they are people in there. We are all people mm. and we are all artists. We are. And generally people are open to a conversation. You just have to broach the subject, no matter what it is, I think. is There's so much, com text and emails doesn't work. Truly, if you mm. can speak to the person in the room and we are, and you remember that they're humans and they're less scary. We all are less scary in person, right? Um, so that's my advice for anyone. It was a learning curve, right? It's a learning curve. What we did and what we went through was a learning curve. We didn't have any money. We didn't have, uh, we didn't have all the time in the world to create. We've created something that was made um, and happened. The next project that we go to, we'll approach everything with a, a much more uh, intricate way of working so mm. that we're all healthy um, and try to apply as much of, as the devising and R&Ding and writing of this of this show, Earth to Kurt, to the next project. Um, and 
Yeah, we need to be making space for like these quote quote contemporary roles in theatrical companies. Like it's so important to have someone come in to do intimacy. That doesn't mean, oh, we're kissing. That means anything that you're letting someone into as a performer in your life, you need to understand what that creative barrier is because there's nothing, there's, to me personally, there's nothing honorable in breaking yourself down just for the benefit of performance like you need to have that structure in place that support system even if that is actually just that like taking that time between going from work to home before then so you don't that doesn't seep out on all of those people around you and that you can have that communication like and the honesty as well the thing of leaving stuff at the door it doesn't help like what's the point because it's still in me I carry that thing and that was something that very much although we struggled not having money and time pressure but like when we had such genuine honesty with each other like there was mm. time me and Ricky sat down and we spoke about some of our own personal connections to mm. the work mm. it meant that then we could actually put those things to the side and be like oh we've got an acknowledgement for each other here so we're not triggering each other and we're not and we understand like there's so much more about empathy that needs to be encouraged in performance it's not it's so weird it's performance we're acting you're pretending but you want reality and authenticity and that was something that like I think it just became glaringly obvious in the process of it and and then thankfully in the sort of shows we build and in musical theatre you always had the music to sort of we had issues and tri tribulations but the music always united mm. us and brought us back together yeah. Yeah, that's music's a feeling. That's that was another thing we were talking about. Sorry, we're going all off flight tangent. Off but there's two. There's two with with my eye from developing and doing stuff. From what I think as a musical director, as a storyteller, as a creator, I think there's two storylines: um, the the script and then the music, and that's going to tell you a story as well. So when they work together, it's not a play. A play struggles sometimes because it doesn't have that feeling. You might have a sound designer create that, but it has to have music throughout because us humans need that. I can't describe in this paragraph that I'm going to say what that will make you feel. But if I was to sing it to you, you probably would understand. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then if if you remove the text and we just played, we just did now all of the songs from beginning to end, you'd understand what the show is. You'd get the whole. You'd understand every moment, each scene, what it was. And if you then remove music, it has to do the same with the script. So mm. I think that is musical theatre mm. um, at its best when both of them are as strong as each other and can tell that story. I think that leads actually really beautifully into the next song <laughs> from Earth to Kurt called Let Me Out. Let me out. Um, which sounds quite different <laughs> yeah. from the first one we just listened to. And um, maybe you can kind of tell us what sort of emotional journey you wanted audiences to be on at this piece or go through listening to it and again context so we can we can try to follow that show journey yeah this is uh intricate it is intricate and it's quite it's a very different sound as you say kiki there's uh way more grunge and way more rocky and you hear the angst in kurt and his journey in the show and the, the lyrics literally are let me out and it's a plea for escape from this almost rock and roll purgatory that the show is being set in and the fates are showing them things they don't want to see and it's just a scream of just I want to be free I want to be me it's a rebellion it's very much that 90s early 90s change in music is in the in the fabric of this song you hear that 
that that what happened at the time you know pop music was left behind and there is this rough ready exciting new energy and you hear it in the in this piece it's it's yeah it's it, it, it's it, it ends in the show in this big old um sort of classic rock and roll drum solo with kurt removing his boiler suit and he's like discarding the the reality that he's in and he throws it it's all very you know throw the tv out the window feeling with strobe and smoke and you feel like you're in the midst of a, a nirvana concert so it's an exciting part of the show um that leads into a segue that, to our uh, drag elvis but that's another story <laughs>
So you mentioned the show had a run at Vault Festival recently, which is amazing. Um, what does the future look like for Earth to Kurt? What are your hopes and, and plans for the future? <laughs> well, we're currently looking at putting it on again uh, for a, a little bit of a longer run in a nice housed space. And that's what we've been searching for. We've been shopping around, <laughs> literally trying to find something that pulls us in because there's a lot to play with with the show, with it being so live and loud. But yet, obviously, with everything we've spoken about, like pulls you around narratively. So we've been looking at a lot of spaces, playing with sound and that gig feeling to the show, that live music mixed with the opera. So yeah, the, the aim would be a longer run, refining the show more. And, and uh, Pete, wonderful Pete Mills, is doing a full orchestration through that will lead through the show, um, which will add an even be more beautiful full yeah. layer that we're really excited about. Um, it's like the music never leaves you, which is like so true of like that. I was like, oh, it's mm. brilliant. It's, it, it's like interesting what you're saying about when we're trying to find where to go, because it's like one side you want to honour the authentic, grungy, pub site specific venue but at the same time you want the huge sort of like <laughs> rock full well, yeah. like rock house. thing you want an opera house I full do of it a whole Albert Hall in five years or 2.5 years could you imagine like the absolute like that's what I want how, set that intention I want some how amazing that stuff. would be like taking <laughs> something there Jolene's right we've done the intimate space but this show's so big it can go bigger it has that scope to it. It has that That's gravitational pull. Like, it's like the heavens, feel. isn't it? Yeah. Like, it, it, it calls yeah. on the heavens in it your the understanding. Yeah, the orchestra. Yeah. And it needs, yeah. It, it's, it's weirdly immersive, isn't it? But yeah. it's not. So it's kind of... I've, um, obviously, I've only experienced this by listening to the music. But I can imagine just that visceral feeling mm. of the music in your bones just being so integral to as you say mm. it's not an immersive piece but being immersed into this world so yeah i can see that potentially working in a, a small intimate space very well but then also in these grand spaces mm. where it, i just think the excitement of how music reaches us mm. is just it's so important when you when we're talking about live and and finding the right space for a show there mm. are spaces out there that are absolutely stunning but if it doesn't match the show it's, mm. it's never going to be that perfect um marriage so um it's really exciting and and i think everyone will be really excited to see where this lands and mm. and where can we see it again so i guess watch the space right yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. I, I'll be the first person to buy a ticket. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> you just tell me when and where. <laughs> Making a Musical is produced and hosted by Alex Jackson and Kiki Stevenson for The Other Palace. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow and rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps us share new British musical theatre with audiences all around the world. You can submit your new musical to be featured on the podcast at theotherpalace.co.uk. That's it from us. Join us next time for more Making, Making a, a Musical, musical the, the Future of British, British Musical, musical Theatre. Theater.